and welcome to The Future Report, a podcast hosted by social research company McCrindle for anyone curious about the future. My name is Ashley Fell, and each week I'll be sitting down with a guest to discuss a topic or trend that you need to know about. Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Future Report, a new podcast by McCrindle. My name is Ashley Fell and I'm a social researcher, I'm a TEDx speaker and I'm the Director of Advisory at McCrindle and it's a very exciting day today because we've been wanting to start a podcast for some time now and we're just really excited to be able to get this up and to get it into people's ears. Uh, This podcast will cover a number of different topics all about the future and how we can be best prepared for it using the insights that we are regularly gathering, looking at the Excel spreadsheets that we often do to help organizations and advise them in these rapidly changing times. Uh, In this first episode, we're going to be talking about how we can predict the future. And we're going to address the questions like, what is a futurist? Um, How we can predict the future and have certainty in that? What are the precautions that we need to take when we do that? why it's important to do so, and how you can be someone that is also future-focused. So our first guest is none other than our founder and principal, Mark McCrindle, who's a best-selling author, influential thought leader, and TEDx speaker. So, hey, Mark, how are you going? Good, Ash. Great to be with you on this podcast. Exciting day to launch this uh, into, into the ether. Yeah, it's really exciting. And, you know, we're both Sydney-based and we're launching this podcast in the midst of the Sydney lockdown. Hopefully, we'll be coming out of that relatively soon. And I don't know about you, Mark, but it's been an interesting few months. And I know from our research that we've conducted that lockdown is a time that many people start new hobbies or find new ways of making the most of the extra time we have in our day. Um, I know for me, I've been really getting into running and I never thought I'd say I'm a runner, but now I'm glad to be able to say that. Um, How has lockdown been for you? Has there been any changes for you? Yes, mine's uh, had a slower pace than yours. Mine's been uh, bushwalking, um, but uh, a good motivation to get uh, my kids off screen. So we've been taking them out out bush. And what's interesting is firstly how many people are out and about. It's just uh, fascinating to see. And the simple pursuits like running or, or walking are, are big. Uh, but I've enjoyed um, not just following the paths, uh, which our life is full of, but going exploring off paths and uh, just navigating our way through the bush. And uh, and that's that's um, yeah, making decisions. Would we cross the creek this way or over there? And uh, no, it's it's a good bit of exercise and um, and good good fun to do some exploring of uh, the amazing uh, bushland around uh, where we all live. Yeah, it's amazing what you can discover about your own LGA or your five kilometer radius, whatever it is that you you're in, and you're like, oh, I didn't know that existed before. Um, so we, when we're confined with that, we certainly have to get a bit more creative. Um, I guess for someone who might be new to McCrindle or hadn't really heard of us before, how would you describe what we do? Often we talk about ourselves as social researchers and for someone who might not be aware of what that term means, um, what would you, how would you describe what we do? And also, why did you start a social research company? Well, yeah, what we do is we study people. We study how people make decisions, organizations, communities. We, we sort of take the pulse of a community or a nation to find out, uh, what are our attitudes and behaviours and perspectives of different issues and what is that leading in terms of where things are headed? Well, the excitement that you shared about this podcast is really the excitement that we have about most of what we do in that we're, we're excited about discovering insights and making these observations around people and groups and organisations so that we can then 
tell the story on that and equip organizations and leaders to lead well in these times. And, uh, and our third aspect, we say, you know, discover the insights and tell the story. And then we like to guide the journey, you know, equip people with the resources to be able to, to head off and, and do what they do in a, in a more effective way um, to, to empower their communities, to create human flourishing, to uh, equip leaders uh, with the right tools to make these great decisions and lead well. That's what we're all about. And it all begins with research and analysis and, uh, and the study of human nature. Yeah, absolutely. And I know our team really love that. It's been a really interesting 18 months to be a social researcher, to be observing the changes happening in society and how the pillars are sort of sort of shifting. And yeah, it is a lot more than just people who love Excel, which I often say, you know, we're a team of data nerds who love Excel and that's very much true, but it's also, yeah, about finding the story. And we've got a great team of designers who help us tell that story and when we're giving presentations and, and things like that. I guess another aspect um, and to delve into the topic we're discovering today is really what what is the future? This podcast is all about the future and we're often described as futurists, demographers or social researchers, but that term futurist can be something really interesting if people haven't come across it before. What does it mean to you to be a futurist? Mm. Well, another term that sometimes gets thrown out with us being futurists is futurologists and <laughs> and, and in that uh, is, is someone who studies the future. But for us, it's not so much studying the future uh, because the future does not yet exist, but it's studying the trends and the aspects, the factors that will drive the future. That's what we focus our energies on and that's what our disciplines are. You know, understanding, therefore, where we are at now. And so studying society or communities, people as they are, uh, and observing those trends or insights or perspectives helps us then gain a trajectory to the future. Uh, but not only studying things as they are with a lens to the future, but studying things as they were. And to that extent, futurists share a lot with uh, historians because uh, we, we both look at how times have changed. We look back and not just look forward. In fact, by looking back, we can get a better perspective of where things are going as we look forward. Historians understand human nature and the, the realities of it, and, and that comes through in our area of social research. Historians understand the seasonality of, of things, how history, as they say, repeats itself, and, and that happens in so many areas in, in society as well. And so there's some of the aspects that we look at, which then gives us a guide to, to where things are going. And and rather than just one trend extrapolated forward or one little insight, oh, well, here's the future, we try to triangulate on that future by getting a number of these trends or insights or forecasts together, which gives us a more, I guess, rounded, holistic, sophisticated uh, perspective of, of what the trends are and where things are headed. Mm, absolutely. And I think it was maybe Brené Brown who made that sort of distinction or rather recognition, actually, that you know, researchers are storytellers and that kind of idea, even what you're mentioning around history, looking back to look forward. Um, is that what drew you to becoming a futurist and to choose this sort of niche of social research? Yeah, definitely. You know, I saw the power of the tools of insights 
being able to guide decisions now. By understanding where we are at, the lay of the land, uh, we can we can project forward to where we're going. Perhaps a little bit like that bushwalking uh, that I spent some time doing. But you've got to navigate. You know, you've got a compass in hand. You you look at the lay of the land. You look at the the hills and the horizon, and then you you sort of navigate your way uh, towards it. And and I think that by looking at the context and the times and the trends, it does help us navigate our way to our future position. You know, and the future is not an inevitable destination. It's not something that we will just happen to head towards. It is something that can be shaped, can be created, can be influenced if we have the right tools in our hands. And that's what we are passionate about doing, helping those leaders shape the future and lead their team to that more desirable outcome. And, uh, and they, their organizations and community will be better placed if they do it. So, so the empowerment we have over where we're headed by understanding the times and the realities of today is, is what does excite us. And uh, it's what we spend a lot of our time focused on uh, to bring about those great outcomes. Yeah, it's really important work, I think. And I mean, I've been with McCrindle, as you know, for a number of years, uh, a lot longer than your classic, you know, standard millennial, of which I am one. And um, yeah, I just love it that we can we can provide that really evidence-based, pretty positive outlook of the future. I think a lot of people, when you look at, when we share about the mega trends transforming society, how much the world's changing, even I'm sure a lot of people might even be, might even be experiencing that now with the impacts of COVID, you know, we talk about change fatigue where people are just overwhelmed by how much the world's changing, especially if you're in a leadership role, that can be really difficult to sort of go, oh, the future rests with me and I've got to know everything. And that's where I guess we come in to help people. And that's the goal, hopefully, of this podcast is to help people get a grasp of what the changes are and how they can be better equipped for them. Uh, Mark, you've got a pet topic when it comes to the future. Can you tell us uh, a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, with the focus on on PET being an acronym PET, you know, and 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 w- what we're about in terms of helping people shape the future is is making sure that they can can head there themselves. Uh, we don't want to create dependency. Uh, we want to empower leaders and organisations to to head and shape and influence that that future themselves. And that's where my PET acronym comes in. And and the first step that we try to do is help people have a perspective of the future. We do spend a lot of our time focused on the current state in our organizations. We're we're dealing with current issues. We're responding uh, with our current processes. But we do need to glance to the horizon. It is important that we look at what's next. 2030 will one day be today. 2050 will one day be today. History has a habit. The, the future has a habit of moving towards us and, um, and, and time marches on. And so having a perspective of what the next three years or five years or 10 years might bring is essential for any leader. Uh, so that they can prepare now for that inevitable reality. And, and the perspective there also, I think, helps us realize that we can, in a period of time, have have quite some impacts. Uh, when I, back to my you know, hiking uh, metaphors, when you look at a ridge or, or two ridges over, you think, oh, that, that's going to take like three days to get to. But actually, if you study it and, and then head towards it, you could be there in an hour and a half. You know, it's amazing at how much ground you can ca- cover and, and how quickly you end up on that next peak or ridge. And that's like that with the future. So if we have a perspective of where we are and indeed of where we want to get to, it gets us to the point of of being able to to track towards it. The E of this PET 
acronym stands for evidence. So let's not dream about the future. Let's not hope for the future. Let's not have um, an unrealistic um, goal as to what we want or hope the future to be, but rather build our perspective and our direction on evidence on what we see today. That's the discipline on which we stand as futurists. We're not crystal ball gazers. Uh, we don't just um, have some some uh, wild predictions of, of what might be the future, but it's all based on the current evidence. And so if we look at trends, let's say demographic ones, we can be reasonably certain as we extrapolate those forward as to where we will head. So it is with technology trends. There are uh, laws, Moore's Law being one of those around that and the computing power that is to come. So it is about, as I said, things like human nature that is predictable and uh, and that can give us uh, something on which we can plan uh, for, for what is to come. So evidence is important. And the third part of this acronym, the T, we've got a perspective of the future. We're focused on that. We've got evidence on which we're planning our trajectories or our, or our forecasts. The T stands for the tools. And what we try to do is give leaders and, and organizations the tools so that they can uh, guide their preferred future state. There's a, a saying of consultants that they are people who come to your organization, borrow your watch, tell you what the time is, and then charge you for it. You know, as if they don't really add a lot of value, they use your own sort of resources to get there. But we don't want to borrow someone's watch. We want to direct them as to where they can get their own watch or indeed uh, create their own watch so that they don't need to come to us to tell the time. Uh, they can they can tell the time whenever they need because they're resourced, they're platformed, they're, they've, they've got the, the tools uh, around. And, and, you know, that's the case with demographic tools and trajectories forecast. They exist. Uh, that's the case with a lot of the, the research. You can analyze customers and, and therefore do some projections as to where things are going generationally. Uh, one generation uh, moves on and another generation moves to the fore. And so based on an analysis of some of these realities and the tools uh, to, to, um, to, to decipher the times, uh, we can head our way there. So a good perspective of where we're going, evidence on which we are based and where we're headed, and then the tools to, to, to understand the future. That's what we try to, to um, empower our, our organizations, our clients with. Yeah, that's so, I love that. I love a good acronym. Helps us to sort of simplify and explain what we do. Um, and I loved what you were saying as well around the future is not an inevitable destination. And I saw this meme recently, which said, you know, 2050 is just as long away now as it was like 1992. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Hang on, let me say that again. 1990, does that make sense? Like just 29 years ago since 1992, we're now 29 yeah, years away yeah, from 2050. Amazing. and. Amazing. 2050 seems so so far away, but actually it's it's not that far away, um, which is amazing. And yeah, you mentioned you know earlier some of the research we do around Australia towards 2030. Again, that seems really far off, but it's it's not that far as we progress into the into the 2020s. And those that pet acronym I think is really helpful because I know for me I'm often asked, you know, when we're talking about that we're futurists, people maybe are a little bit sceptical, which is a good thing to be, I think, in terms of people going, or oh, how can you say that you can predict the future? You know, is it a crystal ball? And and we're like, well, no, it's it's that, like you said, perspective using evidence and using great tools, reliable tools. But I think we also often talk about having a little bit of caution. You know, no one could have predicted when 2019 turned over to 2020 that there would be 
a pandemic on the horizon and that just changed so much of the last two years that we've lived through. Um, how do you sort of answer that when people maybe question the validity of a futurist or those tools, what do you say about some of those tangible methods or the tangible tools? What's what's helpful for pe- for you to underst- for people to understand what a futurist does? Yeah, great uh, great issue, and we do get those questions a lot. Well, you're right; it's hard to be certain on the future in terms of predicting actual events. Um, you know. 29 years ago, back to the the, the 90s, or or indeed 29 months ago, uh, who would have predicted a global pandemic at least hitting when it has? Who would have predicted even, again, just just some months back, you know, the rise of electric vehicles or cryptocurrencies or uh, working from home or the relocation of of people from from cities to to decamping and and heading more to regional areas or the rise in the mental health challenge that we see around our nations or vaping as a health issue it seemed to come from nowhere and and then there's the me too movements and black lives matter and these 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 issues that have uh, become quite a focus for us over the last uh, few months or, or, or years. So, so those those elements, in a sense, uh, were not predicted, but a lot of the, the the factors that got us there were, and that's what we try to focus our attention on, not the specific event. Uh, because no one can predict that, you know, in, in a month's time, is the share market going to be up or is it going to be down? Uh, what's going to happen in the political landscape? We, we we don't know the exact outcomes, but what we do have are some some solid foundations from which we can get a, a, a trajectory towards the future, which gives us at least the context in which we'll be operating in 18 months or two years or, for that matter, 10 years. We've got uh, some of these factors that that we look at that drive trends. One of those is asymmetrical, and that is that that power has been devolved to smaller units or individuals. We're in an era now where tr- trends and change comes about not from nation states alone, not from those that hold political power, but through trending hashtags and individuals who share their story and so shape a brand. And hashtag Me Too is an example of that that came from social media and transformed um, industries and got even uh, those in, in, in political office uh, to look at themselves and, uh, and led to social change. There are generational trends. And so by studying the generations of today, we get a sense as to where things will be in 15 years as the next generation takes over and moves to the fore. And that is predictable because each generation uh, coming through is a reality. There are catalytic changes. And so we see a trend that might have been possible or or a future state that might have been possible. Take working from home. We've had the technology for a long time, but it took the catalyst of lockdowns in a global pandemic to force us to pick up the technology to allow work from home to become mainstream. So so these, these, these catalysts are worth studying. What's the next catalyst that's going to lead to uh, the unlocking of the transformation that already exists in terms of the technology or the opportunity, but uh, but it takes the catalyst to to unlock it. We talked about the human centricity of things, and and while someone might say, for example, um, the future is uh, universal basic income, you know, we're going to get to a point where everyone isn't going to have to work anymore. Uh, we can allocate um, money to every person. 
Um, and, and while economically there might be some models that show that to be the case, from a human centricity point of view, that will never come to the fore. Even though people might predict it through technology gains, we can create wealth and people can sit at home, people don't want to because we're wired to produce and to create and to work and to do things. And so understanding the human psyche is key to understanding the future. And there are counter trends as well. You know, whenever there is a mainstream trend, you're going to get a counter trend. So as things go more and more digital, there's going to be a trend back to the analog. As things go more on screens, there's going to be a rise in publishing and the, the, the tactile reality of people wanting to pick things up, there's going to be a counter trend to every mainstream trend. And, and that's a key um, uh, area for, for people to really look at and to find uh, some future realities there. So in other words, we can't pick the exact reality of a future event, but we can pick the trends, the timeless factors that drive the future and that'll take us to the realm of that event. And that's what business leaders and organizations ought to spend their time looking at. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm sure, so helpful for so many people, right? sort of giving some language and some real specifics to look at, some trends to think about rather than just the future, which can be kind of vague in and of itself. Of course, we can look at those different elements of a topic. Um, I guess at, at McCrindle, we are known as futurists and we talk a lot about the future of different industries and different sectors. And you even mentioned a couple of kind of key contextual topics that we often talk about, like the generations, which I know we both love to talk about, demographics, technology. Um, I mean, does, is that a good summary of some of the, the topics that, that we, we talk about? And I guess for you personally, Mark, do you have a, a favourite topic to address when, when we're thinking about the future? Yeah, well, I love talking about the generations because it is so multifactorial. You know, it's it's a solid basis on which to understand the future. You know, think about generation alpha that you and I have written on so much lately, you know, they they will be the largest generation ever um, by the time they're all born in 2024, the end of that year. They'll they'll be the most formally educated generation ever, the most materially endowed generation, you know, just, just a superlative generation in, in every way. And so if an organization doesn't understand and engage with generation alpha by the very definition of that reality, they will edge towards the margins and perhaps uh, towards extinction. That's the power of a generation. And it's as certain, this next generation coming through, as as is, you know, time passing, because a generation is a span of people born in a 15-year time span. So, so generations gives us a real solid view of the future. But so does technology and looking at, at the uptake of different technologies. And, and so does, you know, the economic landscape. And obviously, we spend a lot of time looking at the demographic forecasts, and that's a solid uh, realm from which to work out the future. So I do like looking at at those those uh, distinct areas, but I like looking at at the confluence of where they come together. So you look at the generational impacts that come from demographic change and with new technology in their hands, the emerging social context that they create. So when we when we have the trends coming together, uh, that creates a real and rich. Uh, forecast of the future and something on which we can we can base um, some level of, um, of of planning. Yeah, and I think that's that's so relevant and so true because even when you mentioned about the Generation Alpha book that we released um, early this year, what's really struck me when we were doing the research for that with focus groups with parents and even with Gen Alphas themselves, but particularly with with parents and teachers who are sort of leading the next generation who are the future, there was just so much uncertainty and so much hesitancy and almost fear 
in the future for for this next generation. And I think hopefully what what we do and what this podcast can do and is help people not fear the future as much because of all those trends that you mentioned, those those five factors, um, using evidence-based, using having perspective and the tools, we can sort of get a grasp of what's going on so that we're not, we don't dig our head in the sand and just go, it's all too hard or it's all too scary. Um, hopefully people can get a, a grasp of that. Uh, we've, we've talked about what a futurist is and, and how we do that. Um, I guess we, we really know and we really believe as an organisation that it's essential for leaders to be future-focused. Can you share a little bit around why you think that is, why it helps organisations, why it's a key responsibility of leaders to be, yeah, looking to that horizon that you mentioned before, looking at the future rather than just thinking about the now? Because I imagine a lot of leaders go, well, I'm an expert in my industry or an expert in what's happening around this, but we're kind of encouraging people to look up and to look out and to have a bit of, bit of a broader perspective. Um, why do you think that's important for leaders today? I think it's even in the very definition of the word leader, you know, a leader is someone who leads people in a direction. And the only reason self-evidently that a leader can lead is that they have looked down the road. They have seen something of where they're headed. They have looked to the horizon. And so that gives them the ability, certainly the responsibility, hopefully, uh, the knowledge and the prudence, the astuteness and the the, the insight uh, to be able to to lead people well. And, you know, that is the key characteristic of a leader. It's foresight. Uh, the reason that they can lead others there is that they have that 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 foresight, that ability to and that that discipline to to look at at the horizon and take others with them. And foresight comes from insight. And insight comes from research, and in each of those words, we've got this 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 root word of sight or see, and uh, and and that's I think key to to any futurist analysis is to be able to see what is not yet there by looking at what currently is, and again working out based on what we see where it's headed, and to that extent. You know, it's not that, and we often share this with clients. Don't think that the future is just a one-way street that what we have now is going to become more and more extreme in the direction that it's currently headed because back to the counter trend, back to the reality of history being a pendulum and uh, and not a, not a one-way street on which we head further and further down. And so as things head to one direction, society, human nature, organizations, leadership tends to correct and bring it back uh, to to away from that that extreme or that extended and headed, and so that's a good way of understanding where things are going is is looking at uh, at where they are in the cycle of the pendulum swing, uh, because uh, things have a habit of of of, of auto correcting or recorrecting uh, once they've headed in 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 a certain direction in uh, for a certain period of time, and so so I think leaders have that ability to lead, they have that responsibility to do it well, and that requires them to understand their context, to look at the horizon, to observe what's happening outside their organization. And so with that uh, um, certainty, or at least some less level of ambiguity, having looked at the reality, uh, they can lead their people well. Yeah, it's definitely, I love that responsibility and also yeah, the ability. I guess with that ability component, what tips do you have for maybe not even just leaders, but people in general who want to be more future focused? Maybe they've been really inspired by this conversation today and they're like, okay, I'm convinced I need to be aware of what's going on and think about 
the future a little bit more, um, aside from maybe listening to this podcast, what tips do you have for people who, yeah, who want to be more future focused? Well, the importance of this is that it actually helps people lead well and and, and lead uh, responsibly. You know, as you said, Ashley, we don't want to um, uh, help have people feel down about the future because actually by understanding the future, you feel more, more resourced. You know, once you've got that perspective of the future, the evidence of where things are at and the tools, you actually feel resourced to head out there, you know, like the, like the hiker. Um, if you've got the right gear and the compass and the map and the wet weather equipment, the rain comes, the storms arrive, um, you come across a, a pretty big creek or, or maybe the mountain looks pretty high, that's okay. Uh, that's what you expect and you navigate on through that. So you can feel more confident, you can feel more optimistic about where you're headed. But the other side is important as well, that if we have these tools, we can also not be unrealistically um, chipper about it. We can prepare for the rainy day, for the storms, for the realities, because there will be what a often called black swan events to come. Uh, and 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 COVID-19 is one of those. It's global pandemic. The recession that came on the back end of that was one of those. Uh, we can't predict what those black swan events are or when they'll hit, but we can predict with 100% certainty that there will be more to come and that, uh, and that they will come our way. Um, and so by understanding the context, we can be prepared for that. So so I, I would encourage those uh, who have an interest in leading, who uh, have those roles in organizations to be confident about the future by having a sense of the tools, the context and their current reality, to, to not be uh, unrealistically hopeful that they will get by because they can prepare for the future because they've seen something of it, the black swans and the like, and, uh, and therefore they can lead with confidence uh, but with preparedness for the uncertainties. And, and as you and I have often used that, that acronym VUCA that describes the realities of our world. It's a V-U-C-A world, a, a V for volatility world, a U for uncertainty world, a C for complexity world, and an A for ambiguity world. That's the, the context that we're in. That's the acronym that the US military coined uh, in the 1980s to describe this new reality we're in, and, and it's even more of a VUCA world today, and therefore it's even more of a world in which we need these tools, these resources, and this impetus to prepare for what's to come. Yeah, it's certainly very uncertain, unprecedented times. Some of those buzzwords that we've that Australians tell us are buzzwords. We use them though to describe, yeah, like you mentioned, this this VUCA environment that we're sort of all operating in. And from what what you shared just then, I also feel like having a f a, f a focus on the future helps us and as leaders and our teams and our families to be just increasing our resilience a little bit and to be aware that yeah, those black swan events will come. But if we've got our eyes up and we're aware of how we can respond to those, then we're equipped to deal with them in hopefully a better way than perhaps if we weren't um, looking at the future. As a futurist, Mark, obviously you've got your eye on what's coming. You're probably on constantly, I know you are actually because I know you very well, looking at the trends and, and understanding what's going on in society. And I mean, when you're looking at the future, what's something at the moment that you're sort of keeping keeping your eye on or thinking might be a trend to to watch? 
For me, it's looking at the combining um, clouds on the horizon and and being you know, realistic and 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 prepared for that. You know, we've got geopolitical changes in our VUCA world and in our region. We've got economic uncertainty, quite a lot of volatility at the moment. The share market highlights that. Cryptocurrency valuations highlight that. The housing market highlights that. Um, we've got um, uncertainties as to. Uh, where the, the economy is going to go in that in that reality, we've got uncertainties as to when exactly we'll come out of this this pandemic, and indeed, as pandemic moves to endemic, how we how we respond in this new reality, what what rules are here to stay, what practices uh, we can put to the side, but all of that uh, tells me that it's not a time to overextend. You know, this is not a time to 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 put it all on the line. Uh, but it's a time for having those margins and to be prepared for the rainy day. Because you know, as often happens at pivot points in history or, or, or the economy, um, you know, you, you just need to have something in reserve. We often use that term sustainability and apply that to the environment. But I think we need sustainability economically and we need sustainability in our own lives as well so that we're not um, running on empty so that we've got some energy in stores. Uh, so organi- organizations have resource in stores because, again, one thing is 100% certain, there are black swans to come and uh, having some margin, particularly in this era, is important. You know, people look back, uh, you mentioned 1992, that that is as far away as 2050 is into the future. You know, what a great uh, little insight that is. And, you know, they were from the nine late... Uh, Early to, to, to mid nineties and on, until probably uh, maybe the GFC, it was an economic miracle of uh, what nearly nearly four decades, more than three decades of of economic growth, of uh, of no real economic shocks, of political stability around the world, of um, a, a unipolar. Um, uh, superpower in the US, and so that that had some stability um, globally, and and things marched on very effectively, and and we probably many of us shaped in that era think, well, that's the future. But in the arc of history, that was a little aberration, having a few decades of such peace, prosperity, and growth. Normally, you get what we've had over the last decade or so: global uncertainty, geopolitical changes. You know, GFCs, pandemics. It's it's been more the reality. So I guess my my takeaway for people is be prepared for more of those. Um, not be fearful of it. Uh, be prepared for it. Uh, not be uncertain around it. Um, have resources there to get through it. Because I think uh, what we're seeing now is more the arc of history than than uh, perhaps the the aberration of a couple of decades of growth and clear skies. And if we can be prepared for that, um, like the hiker out there, you know, the rain comes, hey, I was expecting that. You get off the track, hey, I was planning on that. I'm right on track. That's no problem. That's what I was prepared for. And so you can power on towards the destination unwavering because you're prepared for the storm cloud, the rain, the uh, the, the extra high cliff or, um, or, or the changing terrain. Uh, you're ready for it and you're up for it and you're empowered around it and you're excited to lead people towards it. That's that's just how it works. But you've got the sustainability, you've got the margins, you've got the reserves and, uh, and so you're prepared for it. Great. So 
so much great insights there, Mark. Thank you. Um, and I think, yeah, for, for anyone who maybe was a little bit um, unsure of what the term millennial meant or generation alpha or looking back to the, the 90s or the 80s that we just shared about, you know, we've got really exciting topics coming up around some of these different aspects that we've touched on today, but one that you mentioned is the generations. And I, I can't wait for that chat. We'll debunk some myths maybe that exist around the different generations, uh, the stereotypes, and and again, take that evidence-based look at, yeah, some of those really defining societal events that have shaped them and and how, as we look to the future, what that means um, for consumers, for leaders, for organizations. So, Loved this first episode um, with you, Mark. Thank you for those great insights about the future and what a futurist is. <laughs> um, and thank you to all of our listeners um, who've joined us for this episode today. We've got some great episodes coming up, some excellent guests, and we can't wait to delve into it with you. So thanks very much for listening. <laughs>